0: Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now, here's your host, Lou Paget.
1: Welcome, everyone. And thank you for being with us this evening, or I should say with myself and your um, uh, TogiNet this evening. Tonight, I'm going to be covering uh, a range of different topics. I'm going to be talking about sexuality and manners. Because the reason I'm going to talk about that, and that's going to be in the latter part of the show, but what first happened for me when I arrived in California, there, the area that I knew things about was manners, etiquette, and deportment. And what I was aware of is that how you treat people, whether it is you know, the person who is sitting beside you on the plane, or who's working with you in the next cubicle, or who's sharing a bed with you, everyone deserves to be treated in a mannerly fashion. And let me just tell you something straight off. Manners themselves were not created to make someone else feel badly, okay? Manners were created to the contrary, so that you could make your guests feel more comfortable, more accepted, and more a part of what was happening in your home or whatever event you were at. So when people say, you know, they, they get all snotty about, I'm going to use this fish fork or I'm going to use this type of a utensil, that is manners used in a poor fashion, okay? Because manners themselves are there to have your guests feel more comfortable. So I'm going to talk about that. After probably in the after the second half um, of the show, but in the beginning, we uh, there was a group of us who did a your tango shoot, and it just went up today, and I you know put it up on both Facebook and on Twitter, and the title of it is, "Does cohabiting hurt or help a marriage?" And there were four of us. Who were, you know, part of this uh, of the expert panel? There were two women who were both uh, uh, therapists, and Jacqueline Williams was one of them, and uh, mm, Mary Kay Mary Kay Cocharo was the other. Larry Michel, who is a gentleman who works with energy work, and myself. And the big thing that came out of it is. When people are living together, cohabiting, there is a a switch in many people's minds when they get married. And that switch has them switch to I have very different expectations about what I think you should be like. Now, if you have not spoken to your partner about that, so you get, let's say you're engaged today and you're getting married this weekend, now you're thinking that you have this behavior expectation about your partner, but the moment that you are married, there's supposed to be something quite different. And Jacqueline Williams had a great statement where she said that when you get married, often it's more so the men who think this is that they marry someone. And when you become the wife, they want you to be more like their mother or the idealized mother. And, That is someone who takes care of the children, does these sort of things, and not that person who they went to the clubs with. And she made the distinction between the girlfriend is more for fun, yet the wife is more for the future or building things going forward. What I also have seen myself is that for some people, cohabiting is exactly what works for them there they don't feel there isn't a, a personal need for feeling about, you know, a marriage contract. And for other people, it's very important. Now, the reason I see that it is very important for some people is that there is tends to be a substantial difference in the what I call the social currencies. The difference in the social currencies. And what I mean by that is social currencies are who has all the money or who has all the influence or who has all the wealth, um, be it in title or uh, looks or job status. Those two things often end up being what gets traded off in relationships and marriages. But I'll go back to that in, an, in another moment because there was a gentleman who I spoke with today at a bank that had something that we had a very in-depth discussion about this. But for some people, as I said, co-happening is exactly what they want to do. Yet, for others, it is the step to where they want to go. Many times, though, people don't say or don't talk about their expectation of what they want when they're living together. Some people think, oh, I'll just make this be easy because it's an economic thing to do, or "We'll, we'll do this, but I'm really not looking at it going any further. You know, there's legal ramifications for people if they do live together for a period of time, particularly in states such as this, California. And so you need to be clear and clean about what you're doing. The Mary Kay, who was the uh, the other uh, therapist, she made a great comment that she is finding she has many younger clients coming in who they're engaged, but they want to talk about what are the expectations. Which she said makes her feel very you know hopeful about how people are thinking about what they want, where they are wanting to go, and that. They are looking at things when there isn't a problem, before there is an issue, which I, I've said this before, if you want to go and have therapy, why don't you go and have it when things are working? Most people will go and go to a doctor when they're way past just sort of the beginning of sick, Or and that same thing often happens with relationships. So I do ask people before they think of, of moving in together, you know, think about and have the conversation, what do you expect out of this? And who? And here's the other thing, have the conversations about how the money is going to be handled, how something else is going to be handled. Because, you know, in many marriages, that also ends up being uh, an issue and, and a point of contention because they haven't been discussed. Now, going back to the, uh, the gentleman that I spoke with today, in a bank. And remember I talked about the social currencies and and referring to those? He was saying that there had been this woman who he had 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 a a relationship end uh, a a long time ago, and he saw this woman, and he was just like mesmerized, sort of like, wow, who is this? And he had asked people at the gym who she was, and finally, over a period of, uh, you know, about, six weeks found out what her name was and that she was actually dating this other person. And he had observed that, you know, they were kissing, you know, kissed one another, but she was never open and friendly. You know, she was just sort of came, worked out and left. And then someone told him, Oh, she's getting married. So he assumed that it was his friend who he did know, let's call this other friend, Bob B. And so he sees Bob B. Uh, probably mm, uh, three months after the fact when he had just been told that this woman, we'll call her Andrea, is getting married. So he sees him at a restaurant and they knew each other, you know, by their given names. And he said, by the way, Bob, congratulations on getting married. And Bob said, oh, I'm not getting married. Andrea's getting married. And he was like, what? And so this is only three months after, you know, the, the things had, had shifted and changed. And he said, can you explain to me what was going on? And I said, oh, sure, that's, that's easy. And this goes back to have your expectations clear about why you're going into a relationship. This woman, Andrea, knew exactly what she wanted. She was incredibly good looking. She was younger, but she wanted a wealthy older man. So, her currency was her looks, the age of the eggs in her ovaries, and that she had that more so than him, because this guy was not a good-looking guy, but he did have the money, he did have the influence, and he did have what she was looking for, sperm. Now, when things shifted and changed, so this guy that she ended things with, Bob, who she married was a guy who was apparently Nebashi, which is, you know, sort of like a nice, you know, sort of just a nice kind of not overly good looking, but a nice guy who obviously had what she wanted in the one category, which was the size of the wallet. And let's be honest, people, you're the size of the wallet. You marry a wallet. You go to bed with a wallet. You wake up with a wallet. That power dynamic is very nicely put into place. Yet what she did and what he said, he said, well, can you explain that to me? And I said, oh, absolutely. Let me be clear. Andrea would not pick a guy who was as good looking as she was because then her social currency would be eroded. She wouldn't be the best looking one in the relationship. That would not be why he would feel, oh, my God, I am so lucky to be with her. And trust me, people. I live in Los Angeles. I see this all the time. Well, you see it anywhere if you have your eyeballs open. What he also knew is that his currency was his wallet and what she wanted. Now, the next step in this whole dynamic is do the anchor children. And then what you'll also often see in situations like this, this is human behavior. Protect yourself. Protect what your environment is then there'll be a child around age 40 so that you start again with the parenting cycle so i explained that to him so please stay with me i am going to be back and talking about the week-long program that i spoke about last week and here come the tunes it has been my pleasure i'm Lou Paget, and i'll be right back after this break
2: Familia, Faith, Identity, Tradición. Latina life is never boring, but it can be muy dramática. So how do you coexist between the old school ways of la abuela and the new school life you're creating for yourself without losing your faith, familia, identity, or tradiciones? Welcome to Living Latina with Francesca Escoto. Where culture curls and curves collide in one spicy cross-cultural conversation that will leave you begging for mas. Francesca tackles all the important issues, from politics to family values to religion to...
1: Welcome back, everyone. Just before the break, um, in the first first segment, I spoke of doing the um, Your Tango, which is actually up today and will be on and is talking about, you know, does cohabiting, you know, hurt or, you know, uh, damage, you know, a relationship or or something going forward into marriage. Myself, I don't think it. I think it works either way depending on the couple and this is if you are straight or gay or bisexual the bottom line boils down to in the area of sexuality psychic sex is something that many people do thinking that they think their partner should know what they want and often people will do that in a relationship as well so in the area of sexuality as you know form of expression you have to let your partner know the same thing In moving in or, you know, cohabiting together or sharing a space. You have got to let them know. Now, last week when I had my twin sister on, we were, you know, we touched on some of the things that couples can do and that great lovers do and are mindful of doing ongoingly to maintain a relationship and to bring things back into a relationship. And one of the things I talked about was the mindfulness exercise of like the, the, the paying attention and being happy. And actually, by the way, this is something that I wrote specifically for uh, uh, a blog called Orna Bakes, and that's O-R-N-A Bakes, bake com. Orna really writes her blog from the standpoint of being a woman who dealt with weight issues her entire life. And when she finally was able to, you know, sort of wrestle that demon to the ground with Weight Watchers, she said she realized how much of her self-esteem was tied into um, with the food and how her weight was. And, she, you know, she said it is not about the dieting because she said the dieting is the thing that erodes your self-confidence about things and makes you feel that you're doing something wrong or you're always having to do something that is not of a positive nature. So what she did is she started looking at food not as her enemy but as the friend. And by the way, if you're having troubles with money, take this to heart. I read this. You, instead of treating money like it is the enemy or that it's a problem and scarce or something start treating money like you would a loved one and money is going to respond differently to you it really will because again all thoughts are things but anyways the thing that i did with orna bakes is write this two week about you know getting sexy for yourself and because the majority of her readers are women and they're women who want to eat healthy and still they want to, you know, lose weight. So she said at one point she had heard that there was a diet where you, if you had sex every night for a week, you could, you would, you know, definitely lose weight. Well, I, I you told her of being on the show at the time it was the male counterpart of The View and it was run by Dick Clark, and on it were Mario Lopez and Danny Bonaducci and then there was another gentleman. But what they brought me on to do, and it was called The Other Half, what they brought me on to do was a week-long event. And this event was to have the people have sex every night for a week. And Danny Bonaducci, who was the guy who wanted to do everything. And he was like, yeah, baby. He, well, he and his wife Gretchen, he is the one who he said afterwards, he said, even though this is exactly what I wanted, he said, I couldn't do it. So I said to Orna, I said, you can tell people about that, but I said, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. There were two or four couples that did not the, not Dick Clark or you know Mario Lopez. There were other guests who were brought on. But the important thing about this is again, You may be thinking this is exactly what you want, but you may have more limited time than you think of. So in week two on the getting practical, here's the thing that I think about being in action. And again, this is going to be something that Orna is going to have up on Orna Bakes, that you're going to, it's the touch factor. Let's be clear here, people. People are touch starved particularly men. And we need to bring something back in that has us reconnect with our partners. Honestly, you are probably the only one that can be that close into someone's physical space. Use it to your advantage. Don't, you know, if you are the one who can go up and hug someone, and ladies, go up and hug someone from behind, okay? Breast squishing hug from behind. Not just, you know, the... Two point shoulder hug polite thing. Because what happens is, many times for women, they think, oh, if I'm doing this, if they're touching me, then that means automatically there's going to be sex or sex has to be involved. No, not necessarily. But it is often considered to be a foreplay indicator. Foreplay often ends up being really formulaic for a lot of people. So, anyways, the other thing you're going to be practicing is the swirl, which is irregular strokes on your partner's body on a shoulder, on an arm, something, then that keeps sensation fresh. The other thing you're going to be doing, you're going to be kissing more and kissing the way you prefer. I had a gentleman here today and he is going through a major life transition and has been in a long-term marriage, which is ending. And he he said, she stopped kissing me 15 years ago. Now, I can't even imagine that that and so he has had that connection with her cut off, but it's also and he has stayed because of what his commitments were, but things have now taken to the point it's now ending. and but the kissing. Is something that for many couples, often it's a slippery slope and goes the way of the dodo bird. By the way, for those of you who don't know, the dodo bird was a bird that got slaughtered to extinction, extinction because it was a flightless bird and could not fly. So the you know the people who landed on their island, they just slaughtered them. Uh, sometimes human beings are just so incredibly stupid. But um, <laughs> that's like you know that's my little you know environmental. Ooh, Stand up for the dodo birds. But the thing that happens for people is they stop doing the things they did in the beginning, which is one of the reasons I wanted to have the conversation about sex and manners. Because the how you treat someone in your intimate world is how you should be treating your major number one guest, and I I, I will go into that. So kissing the way you want, and if kissing the way you want is softer or lighter or just on the edges or more French kissing or something else, do that, and then kiss them the way you like. Stop. Say, I love being kissed like this. Can you show me what it feels like to be kissed by me? That's one thing. Talked about the body hug, and this is something that you can do in the morning, and in the evening. Now, i said this before on other shows. I was doing a presentation in Mexico City, and it was for a group of top entrepreneurs, and I'd been invited the next day to go to a terrific yoga class. And for any of us who do travel or, you know, they, it's always so lovely to have a form of normalcy where you can go and, you know, just... regenerate yourself, and there's nothing to me that is more restorative than a lovely yoga class. So this woman, I had said to the women, ladies, before your partner or your husband leaves in the morning, give them a hug, and not, you know, and that, as I said, that full hug. Now, when I do my presentations, some of you may know this, but the Lou Padgett Ladies Seminar, it's only women. The Lou Padgett Gentlemen Seminar is only men. So I don't know who's partnered with who. I don't know who's married to who. And so when people are asking questions, I don't put anything in that there's no relatability. I can sometimes afterwards because then they're together. So I didn't know who she was married to. But he did ask them questions specifically about touching. So the next morning before we were to meet for yoga, and she was telling me this after we um, had the class, and by the way, she was a fabulous teacher. She said, you know, I kind of remembered as he was going out the door, oh, you know, I'm going to do what Lou suggested. So she said, oh, honey, come on back. And she said, she said, I gave him that full body hug. She said it was like he was an octopus. She said he wrapped his arms around me and held me so tightly. She said, I, I couldn't believe the reaction that I got. She said, I was stunned. She said, you were so right. And she said it was literally like all the stress went out of his body. And that's the thing that I talk about is that when we are with our partners, there are very few people that have the ability to have that permission to go in and touch and hug the way you do. Take advantage of it. And Remember, your hands are two of the most powerful ways you can move energy around someone's body and use that on their back when you're doing the swirl or on their arm. And you can do the swirl in public. That's what I love about it. So when we're about to come up with our halftime break here, and we are going to finish the week two of the Being in Action and I will be right back after this break. Please stay with me. I'm Lou Paget, and this is Tokenet.com.
3: Get ready to learn and play with Mrs. A. Your host, Barbara Allison. Mondays at 11 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Did you know that kids are only 20% of the population, but they are 100% of the future? How are you preparing your child for that future? The years between the ages of zero and six are crucial for learning and development. Barbara Allison is a teacher, parent, and author on supporting children's early learning. Learning starts even before a child is born, and parents are children's first teacher. Join Mrs. A for ideas, tips, and suggestions for fun learning and play activities as she helps you support your child. Starting early is starting smart. For more on Mrs. A, her books, the show, and her blog, check out her website, 123kindergarten.com. Then, come learn and play with Mrs. A with your host, Barbara Allison, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Information about book publishing is power. The Power to Change Your Authoring Life, and The Power to Change the Lives of Your Readers. So join us for Your Guide to Book Publishing, Everything You Want to Know But Didn't Know What to Ask, with your host, Dr. Judith Riles, Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific on the Rockstar Radio Network. You'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now, as the book shepherd, Dr. Judith Riles, is in. And each week, she will include publishing professionals that will reveal tips and secrets to the author's journey. If there is a book in you, you want to listen, learn, and yes, call in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Rockstar Radio Network.
0: Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget.
1: Welcome back, everyone. And I was just um, looking at a book that I'm going to be uh, uh, using as an example or you know, some examples from and giggling away over the break. So coming back, we are going to complete um, Orna Bakes, as I had mentioned before, is a blog by my friend Orna Perkin, and that's P-U-R-K-I-N. And she has great food, by the way, that and great recipes that she makes um, with her daughter, who is absolutely delightful, and with her husband. So I was helping her put together something for her readers and expand how they could feel about their their self esteem and you know feeling better about themselves. So this is week two of the being in action of the. We were initially calling it the you know the. Seven-day sex challenge, but it went to 14 days, so we had to come up with something else. I think we called it the Sexy Day Challenge. Anyway, the we talked about um, practicing this world the touching, being kissed the way you want, practice the full-body hug. Now, here's the thing that I always laugh about is um, I mentioned in the uh, previous uh, segment that there was a gentleman who was here today and is ending a long-term marriage, and he said that his wife never, ever wanted to do um, anything uh, sexually unless it was spontaneous sex. Well, here's the thing about spontaneous sex. It is a myth, okay? (laughs) It does not exist. It is that unicorn, okay? Uh, It is, the spontaneous sex is something that already was planned before the event gets started date night sex honeymoon sex like no kidding actually, however, in some instances it does not, but that's another show altogether, and that's because of pain or because of something else that happens that causes a you know a physiological impact but majority of sex is planned. you know on date night, you know on weekends, you know for most couples it's something that there's sort of when there's a lull at this point, but really. The biggest thing about sexuality is like other behaviors that we have in our lives. we plan for it we don 't we 're not just willy nilly you know all of a sudden going and gorging like a, a lion who just kills something and has to eat everything all at once. We have our meals and they are planned or we have an idea of when they 're going to be so the spontaneous myth and I do use this example. I was doing something for men 's health, and they asked me. Um, So how do you, you know, want to write something about spontaneous house? I said, oh, that's easy. He said, it is? I said, yeah, you plan for it. He was like, what? And I explained it to him. And I said, believe you me, couples know when they're likely going to be doing something. So this myth is, let's just get rid of that right away. And actually, Esther Perel and I, who is the author of Mating in Captivity, we are so both on the same page about this one. Now. The other thing that most people don't look at, and I am doing a uh, webinar with a gentleman by the name of Michael Russer, who was one of my guests oh, probably two months ago, and he is the gentleman who has full impotence as a result of prostate cancer surgery and then radiation. And what we talked about in our first webinar, and we have put together based on Michael's book, uh, Hardly Broken, is uh, a webinar for extraordinary intimacy. And one of the things that I think and I know gets in the way of people having extraordinary intimacy is they, they they, they don't look at what is getting in the way of them connecting. Is it a timetable? Is it a schedule? Is it work? Is it because they're ticked off at their partner? But what people have to really be honest about is if you do want to be intimate and if you do want to have that vulnerability, you have to be that honest. And is you know the the only place if you have children, if the only place that you can do things happens to be the bathroom, well then both of you might be awfully clean on a regular basis, okay? And if you have limited time and you know that you both would like to do something, incorporate some toys. This is not that we get so many convoluted messages about how sex is supposed to be occurring that it's supposed to be penavaginal, vaginal, it's supposed to be orgasm, orgasm, it's supposed to be ram ram ram, thrust, 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 this, this, this. And it's not the majority of true intimacy and true lovemaking is more still, more focused on the partner. And honestly, what Michael Russer has absolutely found as a result of what he went through, and he and his partner now, he said, I never knew I was going to have a sex life that was like this as a result of being impotent, is that it is about the attention, it is about the focusing, it is about being present at the moment at the time and it's not about rushing things now he is they and they both have very busy jobs they both have a lot of things going on yet they set aside the time for the two of them and many times couples particularly if there's children there are so many things that get in the way of them being able to have time that they give all their time away, particularly women. Here's something else that we women do. We walk through a room and we see all the things we need to do, whereas men walk through the room and they see nothing like that. And that's one of the things I said to a gentleman, uh, uh, an interview I did yesterday for a Georgia magazine. I said, look, if there are children and you want to have sex afterwards and you have kids, if he does something that takes the things off her plate that." is one of the other things she has to do, that means then she doesn't have to do it. She can then switch from parent to partner. And that is a powerful distinction. So that's what the the attention, attention, attention. So look at what might be getting in your way. Day six, what I'd like people to do is realize that your positive attention, so you've been building up to this, Your positive attention to your partner is truly your most seductive behavior. And let me tell you something. More affairs occur because someone's not getting attention paid to them. And the gentleman who was here today, honestly, the things that were done and the things that, you know, how he was being spoken to, how he was, you know, not being acknowledged as a man who is making a contribution to this woman. And, you know, here's one, one thing that I know will often happen, is that he laughed about this. I said, you know, sometimes people won't want to be the one who breaks things up so they can have the other person be the bad guy. And I said, but what they'll do is by their own behavior, they'll force someone into saying, that's it, I'm done with you, forget it. And that's honestly what is happening in his situation and by her behavior it's literally pushing him away even further than two years back when things were first blowing apart and when I heard this person's voice because at one point she called I have never heard a voice that is more devoid of emotion it was flat monotone And I said, wow, I said, her voice. And he said, you heard that? And I said, yeah. And he said, you know, sometimes I will call and just leave. Uh, I'll I'll call and just uh, hope I just get her answering, you know, the voicemail, because her voice is so happy and so cheerful. But when she speaks to me, it is that tone. And I said to him, you know, all the behaviors and everything are giving you the message, that you have made the right decision. Because people, I talk about this all the time. Love is the reason that we're here. And we're all here as part of the same, we're all the same Adam, sort of buzzing around. You know, the desk is vibrating at a different level than the piece of paper. But we are all energy. And he deserves to have his heart be taken care of. As does she. If this is Finished, whether you call it a karmic finish or whether you call it a behavioral ending, it's done. And it is time to move on. And when that's the case, please, people, be kind to yourself. And the children in environments like this, they know when things are going on. I have another friend of mine who his teenage daughters all said to him, Why are you still here? He was there because he did not want them to have their mother be upset well she's going to be upset either way and I asked what message are you giving your children what message are you giving your daughters so and the final point for week number seven is to bring in something new so whether that is a new restaurant talk about fantasies talk about going somewhere read a chapter of Fifty Shades of Grey do something but bring in something new because remember I talked about Esther Perel and anything you knew, anything new that you bring in is like amazing. Yes, that creates a whole different brain chemistry. And we're coming up to our final minute before the final break. So, then week two in the being practical, be in action. Number one, practice this world. Two, kiss the way you want. Three, practice giving full body hugs in the morning and afternoon. Four. Plan for some spontaneous sex or that non-spontaneous sex. Five, look at what might be getting in your way of connecting. Pay attention, attention, attention. And number seven, bring in something new. And by the way, and we come back after the break, I'm going to talk about the Joycelyn Elders Chair in Sexual Health Education, which I was in New York for the fundraiser for. I'm the vice chair um, of that leadership council which is at the program of human sexuality at the university of minnesota medical school and when we come back i'm going to talk about sexuality and manners the do's and the don'ts and i have to tell you i have some really fun things so take care and we will be right back after this break i'm lou padgett this is sex talk with lou Welcome back, everyone. I just wanted to let people know some of the other things that I've been doing and what I've been up to. Last week on Thursday, I was in New York for a reception and it was for the Joycelyn Elders Chair in Sexual Health Education. Now, Dr. Elders is the former Surgeon General of the United States and the Surgeon General is in essence the doctor of The country, which translates into it's not a policy position, but it is someone who guides those who are making policy and does and looks at implementation of programs for the entire country. Now, Dr. Elders, um, although she is from Arkansas and was appointed by Clinton, she has a tie into the University of Minnesota because it was the one place when she was a young black female physician looking to do a residency in, that would have been in the 60s, I guess, Um, it was the one place that would take her to do a residency in, um, because she ended up becoming a pediatric endocrinologist, and her focus is to use sexual health education as a way to interrupt the poverty cycle, and the poverty cycle for Dr. Elders is she has watched people in abject poverty, because that's where she came from. She is the eldest of eight. They grew up in a three bedroom house. She grew up picking cotton. She her, her her fantasy was to be able to be a shop girl so she would be out of the sun and have air conditioning. And she's a brilliant woman and went on, you know, to do be in the military and then go to um, through the military go through med school. But what she looked at is using sexual health education as a way to interrupt the poverty cycle of babies having babies. And so we were in New York for that. And I happen to be the vice chair of the council. The chair is uh, Dr. Chip Martin, who is based in uh, St. Cloud, Minnesota. And But the program in human sexuality is one of the preeminent programs worldwide. There already is one endowed chair there. And what a chair does actually is it holds the money that funds and pays for a scholar to Use for their to do their research because what's happening now is many chairs when someone retires are, are pardon me many you know um, whole areas of education that have been grandfathered in disappear because they can no longer they they don't get funded again universities are being cut back on so to have that that's why I was there and I have to tell you I am very proud to be part of this it is. A, an honor to be part of it, to be part of the, the focus of it. And we've been, we, I've been part of this, this council since uh, 2006. So that's what a little bit of what I've been up to. I, I'm going to do some little tweets on that afterwards and some Facebook stuff on it. And now I'm going to go on to sex and manners. So let me just give you a little bit of my background. As I said when I first started, If I hadn't first started in the area of, if I hadn't started talking about sexuality, my area of expertise um, was, and when I first arrived here, manners, etiquette, and deportment. And what I was well aware of is that it is something that allows people to be kind and make people feel more comfortable and more at home. And it is, manners are something where you are able to get you know, uh, feedback from someone, how are you feeling, what's going on, but it's also not something to lord over someone. And I have to tell you, one of the most fun books that I have ever read, now admittedly, this is just me, but I have to tell you, this woman is freaking hilarious, and her name is Judith Martin, and she wrote The Mismatch Guide to Excruciatingly Correct Behavior, she is knee-slapping hilarious. So I'm going to be, you know, using a few things out of her book. This is an example for um, uh, uh, Ms. Uh, Manners, as she is called. And she goes, um, Dear Miss Manners, what am I supposed to say when I'm introduced to a homosexual couple? And she always responds with gentle reader, gentle reader, how do you do? How do you do? I mean, it's called, rip a page out of the book called Common Sense. Isn't that just a riot? But she is a scream. If you get a chance to read this, you will find you are just roaring with laughter at how she pokes holes into some of the things that people say and some of their you know, comments about. And she comes up with great names for you know, her, her so-called relatives. But what I can tell you about manners is that, remember I talked about the gentleman who, his wife, how she spoke to him? I will tell you, you need to speak to your partner the way that you would speak to your guests. Speak to them kindly and speak to them honestly, not that you're covering things up. And also, one of the things that great lovers do is they don't go looking for trouble, they look to do things over, take care of things. They have their partners back, which is when you have manners. You are, you know, respectful of your guests. And I'm going to use an example of a of a friend of mine who is a, a very much sought after bachelor. He's now, you know, in his mid 60s, and he has been with a woman now for 14 years. Again, they're cohabiting. It works perfectly for them. And he said to me, the one thing that made him choose her is when she said they were somewhere and he said oh someone made some comment about him not being in shape and she goes oh I think Greg is so handsome and he just gets ever more so and for him that was like wow now this is a guy who had been major stud muffin okay totally but what he looked what he heard was this is a woman who stepped up and said I you know I'm I'm taking care of him. He is important for me. Now, in the invitation and replies area, whether it is asking someone, you're inviting someone for sex or you're inviting someone for dinner or elsewhere, there's the impulse invitation and then, of course, there's the future invitation. In both of these instances, you need to be clear. As a matter of fact, you need to be really clear about what you're doing. If it is you'd like to just spend some time with someone, if it is I find you highly attractive, what you do in either situation is you can accept with pleasure or you can turn down gently and say, oh, honey, that's not on my timetable right now. Or you can say, as an example, in instances, if someone on the sexual side is you know, something that you might not be all that interested in, anal sex or some other thing, you can say, you know what, let's talk about it later. That way if someone isn't totally shut down because many times men will often not bring forward what their fantasy is because they don't want to get slammed. They don't want to get told, um, you know, oh my God, what a sophomoric, nonsensical thing that you have just asked me to do. Well, it takes so much courage for men to ask many times for what their fantasy is that they are terrified because, by the way, once he gets rejected like that, women with their elephant memories, that memory stays, you know, for forever. It never goes away. Now, if you are approached, for example, by someone who is not necessarily of your canoe team, be it a, um, if you are straight and someone approaches you who is gay or who is bi, this is all you can say is, you know what, I, I am so flattered, but um, this is just, uh, that's not my canoe team. Something that acknowledges, and then people are worried, oh my gosh, what am I giving off? I must be gay. No, you're not gay. You have a confidence and you have something that is appealing. Be flattered. When someone approaches you, be flattered. It is more so that this person is acknowledging that you have something energetically appealing about you. Now, just to give you an idea of what Miss Manners would say in the area of couples who... Um, they're going to, when it comes to couples being at events together, she has this hysterical thing where she talks about the couples who are always enduring a separation. And it says, Dear Miss Manners, why must married people be separated at dinner parties? I enjoy sitting next to my wife. Gentle reader. Oh, good for you. Perhaps you can put your dining room table against the wall and sit together in the privacy of your home if you both consent. It is delightful for a married couple to want to sit together during dinner, but like some other marital pleasures, this one should be enjoyed in private. At dinner parties, married couples must be separated because they tell the same stories, and they tell them differently. And that's something that I know. It's one of those things that, for many couples, allow your partner the pleasure of telling the story the way they prefer. It really does. It's really much easier. There's also, when it comes to, she also has a chapter on um, alcohol, tobacco, and other stimulants. Now, let's say you are with someone and they wish to indulge in these things and that's not for you. What you can do is you can say, oh, no, thank you. Or, and if they continue, you can, you know, just, you know, withdraw politely and say, you know, this is just definitely not for me because sometimes when people, if they've had a little too much to drink or something else, they're quite insistent. Mm-mm-mm. In the same way that if someone wants to try and do something that's not to your liking anywhere, just say, you know what, again, it's not on my list right now. So I, I will tell you if you want to get a kick out of things, reading about manners and stuff, Miss Manners is a riot. She has these things where she talks about someone saying, "My daughter's been married, living with someone for two years, and I, she really wants to, and she wants to wear a veil." And she makes the comment, "A veil is in no way an indicator of an intact hymen." How hilarious is that? <laughs> so, with no further ado, I'd like to thank you so much for spending the last hour with me. I trust this has been fun; that you have enjoyed yourself. I will be back next week. And I'm not sure what it's going to be, but I will be putting it together tomorrow. So thank you again. This is Lou Paget, and this has been Sex Talk with Lou. Take care. Have a good rest of the evening. Bye for now.
0: Thank you for being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou